What's up, Florida State sports fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Knoll Sports Podcast. Kurt Weiler here with my colleague Andre Fernandez, coming off a uh, rare of late rivalry win for Florida State. I mean, at least in football, it's uh, it's been a while. It had been a while since uh, Florida State had beaten Miami. It had been a while since really Florida State had beaten any of its rivals. And uh, I would say that that plus, I mean, the way it happened, thirty-one twenty-eight against Miami on uh, Saturday, makes it all the more sweet. Yeah, it definitely does for them. And and the biggest thing, I think, is just the magnitude of this victory and the trickle effect that's starting to be felt a little bit since then. I mean, you have you've already seen it in recruiting a couple of, you know, one one concrete step, them landing the transfer, you know, through the transfer portal the pro, you know, that was trans that was committed to UCF beforehand. And and really, you see the response from recruits off the field. But, you know, just for for Coach Norvell and, and everybody to get this win to me it's you know it's many times greater than, than than any of those than either of those carolina wins earlier this year and because when you can beat your rival especially in a year like this where you're still you know rebuilding and things trying to put things into place this this is the tangible result that really gives you a leg up statewide and especially looking at the way things have gone statewide for the hurricanes for the gators for everybody i mean even though they're four and six you feel good right now about the the upward swing of this team and you know it's it's the culmination of just the, the way that they've played all these close games this year and, and really hadn't won other than Syracuse when they they can, when they snapped out of the the 0-4 drought other than that game they really hadn't closed out these close nail biters you know they hadn't been able to so to do it and to do it against Miami just tremendous, you know, can can you really put it into words, the meaning of like how much it's going to help, I think, you know, going forward. No, I mean, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, obviously Florida state fans feeling on, on top of the world when it's what 17 to nothing in the early second quarter, maybe uh, I would say a, a little bit less. So when it's a uh, 28, 20 Miami, when Miami responds with what's like a 28 to three run and Florida state just has, no no momentum i mean no no points for florida state in the first what at least i think 20 or no probably more like 25 minutes of the second half let me look when that field goal yeah over 25 minutes their their first points in the second half came with uh 443 to go yeah so i mean it, it, which was an interesting decision in itself that we talked about them some people were wondering if they you know should they should they go for the end zone, you know, since it's, you know, still an eight, they could get an eight point, you know, if they get the touchdown in the two or they're running out of time. Are you really going to hand it to the defense that late? They did. And the defense came through. Well, and Mike Norvell's confidence in that unit. And I mean, I will say it is a credit to that unit, especially more, more definitely more in the first half than the second, but an offense like that with a quarterback like that, you're not going to entirely hold them down, but it is a credit to that unit the job they had done for the majority of the game. Lately, maybe not as much. I think Miami had scored touchdowns on the last three drives. There was some flukiness there. There was the tip pass touchdown. There was the unfortunate big hit and missed tackle uh, Jarvis Brownlee had that, that turned Jalen Knighton's uh, direction around. And uh, th- th- there was definitely some some luck at play there. But still, I mean, it was... Uh, it, it, it's interesting. I mean, I imagine knowing how those situations work. I imagine Mike Norvell went to his defense and said, "I'm betting on y'all," and and that's the kind of thing that you have to imagine instills confidence in that unit. And I mean, it's a it is a definitely interesting to reflect on the uh, the defense now 
compared to the start of the year. I mean, the defensive line is still doing what it's doing. Jermaine Johnson, obviously a big part of that, but plenty of other pieces as well. But you're also seeing improvement from the uh, from the secondary. I think you're seeing maybe maybe not as much, but the linebackers, just when they've had to rely so heavily on young guys, you're seeing the uh, so, some growth there as well. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a youth movement in the secondary especially, right? I mean, you see Omarion Cooper, the strides he's made. He's only really been playing you know, significant reps in recent weeks, you know, until, you know, before that he was still just doing a lot of work and practice, that sort of thing. Well, and, now, and, yeah. and he was hurt. Yeah. Wasn't he? He was, yeah, he so was hurt good. in the first couple weeks of the preseason. Right. I mean, we're talking about a guy who was injured and then came back a little bit, you know, but really hadn't done much until really right before the Clemson game, really. Yeah, I think the, the first game he played was, I think he played some against Louisville. It's funny, I had someone reply to my video, because we interviewed him today out of practice. Someone replied to yeah. my, my video saying, like, I was yelling at Mike Norvell to uh, pull him out of the game in the Louisville game, because it wasn't going well. That was really his first action, and it didn't go so well. But uh, he is very quickly right at that ship. It makes you wonder if, if he hadn't had that injury, if he hadn't missed so much of the preseason, if he wouldn't have been on kind of a similar to a Kevin Knowles timeline. Yeah, well, that's that's the whole thing. I think the injury set him back a little bit, and then, but even like in the Louisville game, those are just little snippets or giving him some snaps here and there, but real significant action until recently, and then he comes up big in that Clemson game, and then again in this one. I mean, you're seeing and the whole youth movement. I mean, you mentioned Knowles for sure. We've seen it in spots this year. He struggled a little bit in this game, got picked on a little bit by that Miami offense, but you know, held his own late, and then. You know, Jarvis Brownlee, he's not a true freshman, but still relatively young player that, you know, had his ups and downs. But overall, you see you see the the future of it. You see the those underclassmen stepping into key roles again. And I think the linebackers too. Kalen Deloach had a very good game this week. We had we had seen some good games in the in recent weeks from DJ Lundy as well. And and you have to. You have to get it can't just all be up front. You know, the the, the defense has to complement each other on you know on all sides and you're starting to see that a little bit more and, and and just the the punch back after 28 to 3 i mean that could have you know that could have deflated so many teams not just not just this team but and especially a team that with with the kind of roster construction that they have you know depending on a lot of underclassmen so again credit to them that you know that that ability to you know to, to bounce off the ropes and keep fighting and 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 to be able to do what they did, especially in in a heated, emotional game like this, I know they were at home, but it's still such a two two teams that really are, like could be so emotional at sometimes and so have such you know roller coaster highs and lows. And they showed they they were able to to stay poised and 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 pull off some big plays, including that fourth and fourteen that you know nobody's going to forget anytime soon. Yeah, after they pulled off. Yeah, we we definitely should talk about the offense. I mean, obviously the the run game. Came back, Jordan, getting Jordan Travis back after he missed the NC State game helped. Jayshon Corbin had a better game. Trayshawn Ward made a few plays. Interesting, Trayshawn Ward had actually 56 receiving yards because I think his he had a big run on the opening drive that I think went down as a uh, it went down as a pass. I think it was one of those like forward pitch type things, and that's always so. It, it's effectively a run, but goes. But either way, I mean, he he. Uh, made an impact there as well, and I mean, and then obviously you talked about Jordan. The, the running ability was was one thing on its own, but you look at, I mean, no other passes in the game, of which there were quite a few impressive passes. I mean, you 
passer rating wise, he had a better game than Tyler Van Dyke, who came in on fire for Miami. He had been on fire. Jordan didn't play last week, and he had, I think Jordan he had a career high two hundred seventy four passing yards, no touchdowns for for whatever that's worth. But I mean, Florida State had three on the ground. Um, he actually had two on the ground, I should say. He just didn't have any passing touchdowns. But the, you talked about 4th and 14. I mean, that is the, a concrete example to me of a play you can point at to say, Jordan Travis last year definitely couldn't make that play. I'm not sure Jordan Travis earlier this year could make that play. I mean, so much has been made of the fact that he's kind of finally at that, uh, that year threshold. And that, I mean, it, it, what's interesting to me is it feels like he is making some strides in areas where you don't always see those strides. And I mean, I feel like we've talked about this before and, and the, I mean, the, it is a bit of a roller coaster. Be interested to see how, how this weekend against that Boston college secondary goes. But uh, the, uh, I, I mean, Mike Norvell said it was the best game of Jordan Travis's career in his opinion. And I, I tend to agree with him. Yeah. I mean, I, the, th- the thing with Jordan Travis that you look at, I mean, He's not – I think he's attempted the fewest passes of any starting quarterback in the ACC. Some of that – and even even if he had started some of those early games that he missed, it still would probably be pretty low because they just don't need him to. I mean, it's, he's not – they don't – that offense doesn't rely on him being the prolific passer like some of the other ones in the ACC. We know this. But when he has thrown the football, for the most part, it's been accurate. It's been making, you know, pretty good decisions and – to his credit, that's why you know that's why Kenny Dillingham stepped up to bat for him and, and was saying, yeah, he can run, but he's really developed as a quarterback. You know, he's he's made the case that that's what he is. It's not just let's not just look at the fact that he can run and you know, yes, obviously he can. Yes, that obviously fits the offense the best. But you know, he's proven that he that he's developed a lot and really come a long way in the in the passing category as well this year when he's needed to. Yeah, I mean it's a uh, it's most definitely true, and like you said, I mean the 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 run game has been the the feature. I mean they didn't get two hundred this this game; they got one sixty, and they didn't average a ton. I mean that's what's interesting. It was it was consistent. There were some big runs early. I really liked a lot of what Florida State did with the uh, toss option concepts. I mean they definitely. I mean <laughs> you you with your uh, the the where the the majority of your your follow base comes from. Pretty quickly got the when I from the press conference Monday when uh when I mentioned that uh I think was it Kenny Dillingham who mentioned that uh they pretty much knew when Miami was going to be running rushing or pressuring yeah yeah that you pretty quickly uh, got that in front of the right eyes when you retweeted it of uh, <laughs> I definitely I think it exasperated some stuff from uh Miami fans who were maybe not too high on Manny Diaz the uh, the play caller. Well, right now. we got him riled up. I got him riled up with that, and then I got him riled up with uh, PFF's uh, stat that, um, you know, if, if this is accurate, not sure how accurate it was, but Jordan Travis being pressured on only nine of his thirty-three dropbacks, that got him. That, that got him kind of fired up too. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Miami's defensive line is bad, but I don't think they're the strength of that defense. It no, seems like I mean, that young secondary. They had three sacks. It just wasn't consistently putting pressure they you know they had those three times that they got to him but barely rushed him on a lot of different situations that was the thing but i mean florida state i i know i think uh bill conley does his like post-game win expectancy and he had florida state at like looking at the box score looking at all of that they florida state like was 66 percent 
66%, sorry, on win expectancy yep. in the postgame. They were the team that it sure seems deserved to win the game. They outgained Miami, and they almost threw for as many yards as Miami. They ran for a lot more. They only had the one turnover to uh, to Miami's three, all of which were in the first quarter. I mean, the the we, we should talk about Jermaine Johnson because uh, Jermaine Johnson only gets uh, one chance to uh, – play all of Florida State's rivals. He only gets one year to kind of make his mark in the Florida State-Miami rivalry and in the Florida State-Florida rivalry, even the building Florida State-Clemson rivalry. He's two for two so far. They haven't played Florida yet, but he made his impact. He put them in position to win that Clemson game, and he played a huge role in them winning the Miami game. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And I wouldn't be surprised if he does it again in two weeks. No doubt. I mean, the way he, he is a... He is a guy who, you know, even if it wasn't as many snaps as he's getting now, but was used to big game experience, and you could tell the occasion doesn't fluster him. You know what I mean? Like, from the beginning. Like, even in the Notre Dame game, I mean, it's like the first drive or the second drive of the game, and he was in the Notre Dame backfield every other play. I mean, you could tell the pedigree uh, of, of, the, of the experience that, that he's had during his career, you know, coming through. And... It, it it's take it takes a while. It takes a while because you're dealing with a lot of young players around him. But I think him bringing that to a you know to a different degree, Keir Thomas bringing that it little by little, you've seen the the effect of of being surrounded by guys like that on the younger guys up front, on the younger linebackers, all of that, and and that's the long term effect that you're going to see. You know these guys are only here this one season, but you're going to see them leaving something behind that, that something to build on i think and and those experiences on some a lot of the younger players that are going to be here two three four years from now i mean if this goes a certain way for mike norvell jermaine johnson is the type of guy you look back at as like a a watershed moment yeah. a, a landing him i'm not sure I, if you gave them truth serum, I'm not sure the coaches would say they expected this type of impact. You know, I mean, I think that he may yeah. have be, maybe has exceeded their expectations. I do think they had lofty expectations, but I, I think he may have exceeded them. Not even just the on-field impact, but the off-field impact. I think that talk, so many of the coaches talked about yesterday just how instantly, how natural that leadership role was for him. And like you said, the guy who's been there and can it, – it, I mean, the, the quote that I think three different coaches uh, – said in the press conferences three uh, Mike Gravel and then two of the coordinators I think Adam Fuller and uh, Papuchas both said that uh, when, when what was it when your best players are your hardest workers that that is is a wonderful thing because it means that the guy who everybody's looking up to is the guy who's leading the way in work ethic and I would imagine does wonders for uh, for everyone else's work ethic yeah and that, that's the example that's part of the example I'm talking about not just it's yep. seeing Part of it is seeing how he plays and, and 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 learning, you know, the ins and outs and how to conduct yourself and all that stuff. But but, you know, really also that what you're talking what you're talking about. I mean, the showing to work, the showing up to work, the doing the little extra things, the film study, you name it. That they're going to see and that they're going to follow that example. And then when it comes to on the field, the way that. The reason that part of the you know he's an he's a major ingredient in why this team you see it time and again where even if they don't finish the job, but you don't see them quit, 
You know what I mean? You don't you, you don't see that noticeable letdown where they let a game get out of hand anymore. Like like it hadn't been ha- like had been happening here for some time now, and and, and he's a big part of that. It's a big nope. reason. Yeah, I mean it's a <coughs> it's a credit to someone like Jermaine. I mean I know I think I think the the week of the NC State game maybe I think someone asked him about like if he had given any thought to like having done enough. And, and and start to prepare for what's next for him because I mean he's definitely boosted his stock pretty uh, significantly in the uh, in the NBA draft consideration. I don't know exactly where he was coming into the year, but he's played his way into potential uh, first round consideration for sure. We'll see yeah, how I how the so. stuff goes. But I mean, he, I mean a, guy, a guy with his pro, you know with his with his body with his yeah. physique and then that that kind of a you know pass rush ability. I mean and, that and work well ethic. When, when your coaches will vouch for you, I mean, you know, there are yeah. some people who look like that and who sometimes play like that, and yeah. their coaches may not out them, but they they they're people who get by on their laurels, you know. Yeah, I mean, he's got the physical tools, and then he checks the boxes of you know the off the field stuff, the the, the, the like you said, the work ethic, he, those little intangibles, you know, things like that. I mean, that's all that all that scouts look at. And they're and it's just a plus. It's just plus 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 for him to have all of that, you know, in his in his favor. And I think that that's going to make him an attractive option for for any of the pro teams that you know want a a, a a solid disruptive player on defense, and then a guy who you know can probably be also be a, a good locker room guy to have as well. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have thought there was a a first round guy on this team, and there's a lot of process left. That process hasn't even really started yet. And Jermaine may not end up that, and it, it bears mentioning. I mean, this wasn't a a homegrown kid. They they recruited out of high school and had made a first round kid, but uh, the for I mean how how he bought into Mike Norvell's program made him and made the team kind of a a, a perfect partnership and one that'll last. I mean, long beyond when he's gone here. I mean, obviously in theory, we remains to be seen a little bit. But when you look at him, mean, you talked about uh, recruiting and I. Uh, there were plenty of guys, even before this game, even when Florida State was struggling, even when Florida State was 0-4, the, the, the people, the, the recruits who you have on board, the Travis Hunters, the Sam McCalls, the A.J. Duffies, were saying the right things. Anything can still happen, but I feel like it, it's almost the case of don't give them a reason to thinking about looking elsewhere. And even if the season hasn't been maybe what the coaching staff had hoped or thought, I think winning at least one of the games against your rivals, the in-state rivals, and looking like you have a pretty good chance in the other one, at least in the neighborhood of not too much less than 50-50, which is not the case coming into the year. I, I, I mean, I think that it, it, it should – you might lose one or two, but it should lock up, I would think, the majority of those guys if they weren't already. Yeah, I think so. I think it only, it only helps, right? And, and at this point – Based on what we've seen, I, I can't see it being otherwise where at least they wouldn't go out there to Gainesville and at least put up a, you know, a, put it, be in it at the end. I mean, after what we saw to this team at Clemson and what, and what we saw this past week, I mean, even NC State, when they're shorthanded and they're missing a bunch of guys, could have easily gotten out of hand. And they're within a touchdown in the second half, you know, fighting with a literally with like a skeleton crew you could say <laughs> against a team that is one of the best in the conference 
you just don't see I, I don't see that fight this year from some of their rivals. I don't see that fight from a lot of teams this year like they have, even if they are, even if they aren't as talented as uh, as many others that they've played. You can pitch playing time to those guys, but not only can you pitch playing time, but I think you can now really pitch the progress. You don't have yeah. to point to stats. You don't have to point to, oh, look, here's how we were better this year. You can point to on-field results. You can point to last yeah. year being 52-10 Miami down in, my, down in Miami Gardens and this year being 31-28 FSU. Yeah, and now, how now, how now quickly to, that flipped. Now you don't have to dig so deep yep. to, 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 to create your sales pitch. And like you said, I mean, yeah. they, they brought in Bless Harris. They brought in another offensive line, a potential gra- uh, transfer in, uh, from Wisconsin. And uh, they were both there. They already have one on board. We'll see what happens with the other one. I mean, it, uh, Wisconsin offensive line may be about the only thing better than a Notre Dame offensive line like, like you brought in last year in Dylan Gibbons. But guys like, I mean, it, it, the, the, exactly how big the implications, kind of the, the, the ripple effect of that game will be, the trickle down as you called it, Remains to be seen. I mean, guys like Wesley Basanth, who seems like we're really behind, between Florida State and Miami, there's no doubt that really helped you. Guys like Marvin Jones Jr., who is from South Florida, but when his top five came out Sunday, it was Florida State in there with the big boys, the Alabama, Ohio State, Oklahoma, it was Texas A&M, I think was the other one, not Miami. So, right. I, I mean, guys like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, I, I know they had a, Keonta Goodwin is a, huge monster of a man, five-star offensive tackle, who's currently committed to Kentucky. You're in, you're, Bama is really going after him. It'll be hard to beat out Bama, but it seems like Florida State at least has somewhat of a shot coming out of his visit because of the impression you made, because of that atmosphere, because of so many factors. Yeah, and all this is going to keep increasing little by little, whether it's flipping a guy, getting on someone's radar, that wasn't before, you know what I mean? Like the incremental progress in recruiting, is, it's just going to continue to increase the more that this continues to happen for FSU over the next couple of years if they keep this going the way it is. And that's the thing that you're 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 seeing the the you really are seeing the, some of the foundation that they that they've been preaching for the last you know few months or over well over a year now really, but now you're starting to see some of the tangible results and. <laughs> You know, for someone seeing it up close, you know, it's a or or if you're a you know a diehard fan of the team that's been through it and, and it's been watching it, it's an exciting time because you know when you're when you're sitting there and it's just you know waiting for and having hope and waiting for it, but then it starts to really happen for you that you know that's it's it's pretty cool to to kind of witness the the building process once it gets to that point where you start to see it pay off a little bit, and I think this could be where you where it's already like this game definitely was one of those, but I'm looking even like the next two weeks could also be part of that. And you never know by heck by the, by right after Thanksgiving, this could be, you know, this could be one of those times where, where the fans are going to feel really good about the team heading forward. Yeah. I mean, it's a, I've, I've said for a while that uh, I, I just, I, I feel like, they're going to end the year 5-7, and seven, and it's going to be looking back at that Jacksonville State game. And that will kind of hurt. It makes it feel better. I mean, obviously, to know that's not something you forget. That's something that, I mean, as we've seen from some losses Miami and uh, Florida have taken, that's something that people troll you about for years. That is something this fan base, that team, Mike Norvell, are going to have to deal with. Right. But 
it, you definitely it would it would be unfortunate for them to miss those bowl practices. They get fifteen practices, and obviously for the players to kind of get the reward of that bowl after the season and and the the two seasons really they've had. But you would at least be able to take some solace in uh, in how much better this team is kind of entering this offseason now compared to what you thought of the team a year ago. And kind of a year ago, I, I mean, I just, you weren't on the beat yet. It was all potential. It, it feels like some of that is starting to be realized, at least somewhat. That's what I mean. Right. Yep. That's exactly what I mean. Like when you're sitting there and it's just hope. But there's no nothing to point to. Yep. Now you finally are starting to get little things that are you know, that you can point to. So, uh, in closing the book on uh, it's funny timing here. In closing the book on uh, Miami, Jordan Travis literally about two minutes ago just launched a new uh, apparel store. Nice for the NIL era. A shirt you can buy on there. I'm actually about to tweet out a couple pictures. Talk about quick turnaround in today's day and age. He has a fourth and fourteen shirt. Oh, nice. There you go. So, yeah, a couple of him as well, but, yeah, the, uh, the, the quick turnaround of the NIL era. Yeah. It, well, one day to the next, you know, you're, you're, you're printing out merch. Yeah, it's uh, – so let's uh, – I mean, we can talk about – I mean, obviously, winning this one was great. Winning this one would, would still be great for everyone, even if they lost this weekend. But it wouldn't mean as much if you don't carry it over into this weekend and kind of keep the uh, – the bowl chances alive for one more week. So let's uh, let's turn our attention to uh, Boston College. Let's let's look ahead. Florida State, uh, both the last two, obviously on the road at Boston College and then at Florida. It's, it's been a uh, it's been an interesting year for Boston College. Uh, you look at, I mean, they came in with expectations after a really surprisingly good first year under Jeff Halfley in twenty twenty. They lose uh, Phil Dracovic, their starting quarterback. They, I think, lose all four games that he missed, and he comes back. I think originally they thought the wrist injury he was dealing with was season-ending. I think that the talk was he was doubtful to be back this year, and yeah, he, he came. He came back two weeks ago because Florida State fans say, "Of course he did," <laughs> and he has led them to two wins. I mean, the the thing around Phil Dracovic hasn't been the best level of competition when you look at the games he's led, but he as a quarterback is six and zero this year. Yeah, and that's. That's hard to, you know, account for because he's, again, that that's one of those that puts some puts puts a little more on this game than you would have had a couple of weeks ago, and and it's funny because now FSU comes in riding high off this big win, and you want to see you want to see how composed they are in the sense of you know keeping their focus, not you know losing track of what you know you really want to get out of them, all that kind of thing, and. But this is an interesting challenge because this team is better when it comes to when when, ha- when having Dracovic on at quarterback. But I mean, I, I'm more interested. I think on defense, this is kind of a matchup where I want to see if FSU is able to exploit this a little bit. You know, maybe be able to get ahead early. You know, put some points on the board, get that running game going because you know Boston College. Not exactly the best run defense in the conference. Not the worst, but giving up four point seven nine per you know per carry. That's one area that maybe could work in FSU's favor. We'll see. You know, and then again, not a not a pass heavy offense, but this is also a team that you're going to have to run the football against because they are very good against the pass, from what it looks like from looking at some of these numbers of where they rank in the ACC this year. 
Yeah, you're you're uh, absolutely right there. It's uh, I think uh, I I saw actually a stat tweet out by a Boston College writer today. I think who covers them for the uh, the the Boston Globe, and he mentioned that uh, they've allowed the the least completions in the in the country this season. I think it's 139. Obviously, I I guess it plays into Florida State's favor that that's not really been what they rely on. Sometimes they've had to more than they want, either because the run game's not working or because they get behind. And when you get behind, obviously, you have to uh, play like that. It's somewhat skewed in that. I mean, that's a weird stat in that I would imagine. I mean, from Boston College's run numbers, the run defense numbers, some of it is they uh, teams run on them more because that's where you have more success. You're going to obviously you're going to do what the other team allows you to do. And Boston College right. is, I mean, they're, they're, they're only ninth in the ACC, but the bottom's such a cluster. They're allowing 4.79 yards per carry, but four places worse than them. And 13th is Wake Forest, which is only a tenth of a yard worse at 4.89 yards per carry. I mean, it is a, uh, it's a struggle for them. They're actually 11th. I didn't have the page sorted correctly. They're 11th in the ACC in yards per carry, which is, I feel like, I mean, obviously... Yeah. It's different now under Halfley than it was under Adazio. Under Adazio, the MO was definitely control the line of scrimmage, all that. That's not the MO so much anymore. Obviously, things are a little different under Jeff Halfley. The secondary has been very good. The quarterback play, like we said, Zay Flowers is an unbelievable receiver. But the interesting thing for Florida State is, I mean, that, that plays into your, your favor. That's been your bread and butter this year, like you said. Yeah, no, no doubt. And, and yeah, looking at some of these numbers on the uh, opponent uh, on a pass defense for BC, I mean, yeah, and very low completions. They it, That that was accurate the first overall. But, you know, it's pretty legit, though. Passer rating, they're ranked 15th. You know, opposed, opponent's passer rating, I mean. They've only allowed eight touchdown passes. They have nine interceptions, which, you know, for the volume of passing that they're facing isn't bad. You know, so it's a it's a good pass defense overall. So yeah, you're gonna. I think they're definitely gonna have to exploit it. And I think the fact that last week you saw not just Jay Sean Corbin, but I think it was a good in in a limited dose. But it was a little. You saw a little bit of a bounce back for Trayshawn Ward, and that's important too. You got to get him going again because that those two made the one-two punch formidable earlier in the year. And just for confidence, it was good for him to do that. I think he had a you know he had a rough couple of weeks after that fumble in Clemson, so I think getting him back on track is huge. And then, you know, that'll only have a trickle effect to everybody else within the offense. <coughs> oh, sorry, we're good. Um, yeah, I mean the the part of the the asset of Florida State's run game early in the season, especially was I mean, like you said, it was. Jay Sean Corbin gets winded. You have the change of pace back to Trayshawn Ward, who comes in fresh, who comes in with a lot of energy, and is really just as effective. I mean, those two were a heck of a one-two punch, and definitely, I mean, still are. If you're looking at their numbers now, I mean, they, the the couple the couple games where they didn't really run a ton, they're still both averaging over six and six point three yards per carry. I mean, they're still both they're they're both doing plenty there it's not like they've fallen off so much that that they're ineffective now and you worry about that but yeah I mean it's, if you can get both of them going again if you can really break them I mean it, it, it you you look at what Boston College has has done I mean Georgia Tech not a great offense Georgia Tech ran for over 200 yards on them average over five yards of carry uh, Virginia Tech uh, not a great offense average 4.7 yards per carry Syracuse over six, 
Louisville was over seven. You wonder, those were some games, those are the games where they didn't have uh, Dracovic when you get back into the Syracuse range. But still, I mean, it's a... It, 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 it makes me feel more confident in this game the more I've looked at it than I thought I would. I, I don't know how much I read into momentum. Obviously, someone like David Hale at ESPN, he kind of rails against momentum as something that doesn't exist. On It's kind of his one of his brands on Twitter. And I, yeah. I, I hear that. I think sometimes it can be overplayed. But I do think there's something to be said for the cathartic, how, how they got that win. And so long as Florida State doesn't kind of uh, start listening to that stuff, I mean, then, then I, I do like their chances in this game. Yeah, I mean, the last time they had a big win that they felt great about, they had a, they had a, a bye week and UMass practically had two bye weeks. So... Not you know, not not a great barometer to see how no. how well they would have responded had it been like Clemson the next week or something like that. Well, and but last year, I mean, I remember last year they had the UNC win, and everybody's like, "Oh, we'll see how they carry it forward." They're going to Louisville, who's not a bad team, but it was by no means a gimme, and they went and got pretty much demolished. Right. Yeah. They, so this will be this is this will be the the first real indicator this year of how they handle. A lot of success not just success like winning a game but like you know like a, like a meaningful victory like this where you're riding high and you feel good about yourself you know preach all you want coach speak is great and you know not 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 calling that it's not there that there's there, there, there's truth to that but you have to see how it translates on the field and, and and we know that this team sometimes this year good or bad the practices have not translated to the field necessarily because you know, so let's see how let's see how they come out against Boston College. They're definitely capable, but let's see let's see how the response is. Yeah, I mean, I will say, and like you said, it's true. We get to watch a bunch of practice, so we we definitely saw weeks where, like, I did not see, and I don't think you saw either. The week after Notre Dame, obviously, it was a short week. There's some other factors there. I don't think that was an especially bad week of practice from what we saw. We don't get to watch the the, the final two practices. We get to watch Tuesday, Wednesday, but. Obviously, I don't think from anything we saw that week of practice made us think remotely it was going to be a game like that one against Jacksonville State the uh, the following week. And, I mean, similarly, I, 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 I think that I, I, I'm not by any means saying that Miami week of practice was a stellar week of practice, and we could tell that was coming, kind of at the opposite end of the spectrum. It was a great day of practice today. I mean, Mike, Fornell, Mike Norvell from talking after practice was right to talk about, I think, how good a day it was. Andrew Parchment definitely carried over some uh, some momentum. He had a, a really nice day, made some really impressive catches, which he hasn't always done, especially at practice. So uh, you're right. You don't want to read too much into it. But, I mean, it's it's. It, it, I, I guess I, I need to kind of not let that affect my, uh, my, my thoughts because we've seen in the past kind of been burned by that. Right. No, I, I agree. And, and practice sometimes you can you can take some degree of stuff from it, from what you see and, and, and whatnot. But there's a lot of factors behind the scenes that we don't you know, we're not privy to necessarily. We don't know. And there's a, there's still an unpredictability about it because you're at the end of the day, you're still running stuff in a simulated environment and you're going up against your own guys and teams are going to throw wrinkles at you that you're not expecting all that stuff. So. Again, I think mentally this team is much more prepared to handle success than it was, you know, a few months ago. But you know, we'll see because these and uh, 
Yeah, the good thing is it seems like the weather's not going to be atrocious. It's not going to be Lambeau Field or anything like that. It sounds like it's going to be cold, but not but a manageable cold where it's like good football weather, sunny and, and brisk, not snowing and, and you know a, a, a you know a blizzard that you're walking into anything anything crazy like that. No, yeah, it's going to be cold. I mean, the uh, the fact that it's a noon game. Not that I think Boston College. I haven't been. But not that I think of it as much of a hostile atmosphere. I know it can be on those red bandana games. This feels like the first time in quite a while where Florida State won't be playing in the, the red bandana game up there. That's always a pretty crazy atmosphere. I know uh, former Democrat beat writer uh, Wayne McGahey talked about how awesome an atmosphere that was to be in. The noon game helps with that. It kind of lessens what already shouldn't be a horribly hostile atmosphere. And it also will make it where it shouldn't be as cold. It, it, I'm not saying by any means it's going to be warm. But it's going to be noon. The sun's going to be right overhead. The game will be over before the sun's remotely close to going down. So it won't be as bad as, I mean, I remember the, uh, the Notre Dame game back in 2018 that got out of hand pretty early, and you just had to watch. I watched that one from home. You just watched a miserably cold Florida State team on the field, on the sideline, just having to deal with it. It shouldn't be like that, thankfully, for them. Yeah, no, I, and that's the thing. I think that that in itself is going to help a lot and kind of, you know, you, you, you don't – it's not such a stark contrast from what you're used to, and you can kind of, you know, settle in better. And let's see. I still, you know, I still with this team, the start is always so interesting to see because, you know, not a lot of good ones. This time it definitely was against Miami, the best start they've had all year, really, you know, in terms of what they were able to do. But then, you know, we saw the kickback and how that went. But I think on the road, it's always important. You know, to, to not put yourself in a hole early because, you know, you can you can do what you did at Carolina, but more often than not, that's not going to happen. No, I mean there 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 are sure not many teams, right? Right, that where the situations where that's gonna <clears throat> gonna happen. It should be an interesting one. I don't know what what's your uh, what's your gut telling you right now, Andrew? We can kind of go ahead. Obviously, I won't lock you into a pick yet. Recording this Tuesday night. We got some time before we kind of have to make our official picks, but what? Where's your gut leading you? No, I mean, you know, not lock me in, but I, I'm I'm, okay. I'm fairly confident in a like last week. I was confident in a, in a high scoring game, and it wasn't far off from what I thought. You know, it was only off by maybe like a touchdown or so. Um, I think it's the opposite this week. I think we're gonna see. I think we're gonna see more defense. I really do, and. I, I have a good feeling that they will respond. I think there's a, I think there's enough evidence to show that this team has grown and this team can handle it. And while Boston College is is good, they're a solid football team and they're going to be at home. But this isn't, you know, one of the one of the titans of the conference or anything like that. Into where it's not, you know, what I'm trying to say. And then oh, I, yeah. that's why I think they're. I'm looking at, I think, a, like a low-scoring game. Not a, not a very low-scoring game, but something in the maybe, you know, the 20 to 17 type close game that this time, you know, again, the defense will, will come through. I think the, the offense won't. The offense will have its moments, but I think this is more of a low-scoring battle and they'll figure out a way to win on the road. And then here we go, five and six, heading to uh, Gainesville, which is going to make that game tons of fun with, you know, with a potential bowl game on the line. It's interesting. I mean, you're, that's definitely more Boston College's MO this week. I think they're, they're scoring, they're averaging, I'm looking this up, about 26, 27 points a game, and they're giving up about 20 this year on average. So, I mean, they, they haven't been especially high scoring. 
they are coming off a game that they won at Georgia Tech 41 to 30. So, I mean, it's yeah. it's interesting. I, I I tend to agree with you. I definitely don't think it will be as high scoring. I mean, it's going to, like we said last week, and like they rose to the occasion, it's a lot of it gonna, is going to come down to the defense. Can they rise to the occasion against uh, Dracovic? He's only played in four games this year, but he's got really good stats. It's another week of uh, of playing a quarterback with uh, – with good stats and so it'll be it'll be interesting to see how how they handle that i mean how does omarion cooper build off his performance does kevin knowles maybe play a bit better i mean Jarvis brownley i know miss miss suffered a bit of an injury he was able to come back but it seemed like he was maybe not quite 100 percent and playing through that last week at the end of the miami game what what's he at because that's obviously uh he's an important guy for them and i mean also i mean mike novell talked today about uh emmett rice and kind of Emmett made it clear he wanted to be out there for that Miami game. I think after right after the Clemson game, he tweeted that date of that game. It was uh, November 13th, saying, like, definitely circling the Miami kid wanted to play in the Miami game. He dressed out, but he didn't get in. And Mike Norvell kind of talked pretty candidly today about there's nothing I want more than Emmett back, but I'm not going to put Emmett out there if I think it's going to be a detriment to him. And and he clearly, it seems like, thought that would be the case and that he he hadn't kind of got the full clear from the medical staff for that game. Can he get back this week? And what impact could he make? Obviously, he hasn't played this year, but he's that that veteran influence for them at linebacker. Where Amari Gaynor has played a lot of games, he's definitely becoming that veteran. But Kalen Deloach and DJ Lundy are two guys who play a lot where that's not the case. Yeah. And then you wonder, if he does get in there, what kind of impact does he make? Maybe is this the week where he goes in maybe for 10 or 15 plays and makes something happen? You know, you never know. That could be... That could be a factor as well on, on, on the defensive side of the ball. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, look, going back to the quarterback, I mean, Tyler Van Dyke scared me more. I know Jer- I agree. Nothing, nothing against Jerkovic historically, but this season, Tyler Van Dyke scared me more going into that game if I was if, if I was FSU's defense. Not, maybe not scared is not the right word, but would would have my attention, I guess, is what, what, is what I mean. And... So to me, there's no, it, it's no, you know, it's not to take Jerk Dracovic lightly, but if you can handle what they just handled, there's no reason to think that if they're prepared and if, and if they're, you know, if all things are equal and they're healthy enough, you can't go in and have the same kind of success if all goes well and they execute against Boston College. Yeah, put me down for about in the neighborhood now, subject to change. I didn't, at this time last week when we recorded the Miami, uh, Miami podcast ahead of that game, the preview. I wasn't sure I was picking Florida State. That was kind of a Friday morning when I was writing that story uh, judgment call, and I ended up missing the score. I think I said 34-31, so I was close. Not quite. I think both teams, I gave them an extra field goal. But I'm leaning towards like a 24-20 Florida State right now. I, I, I think we might be seeing 5-6 and six Florida State that needs a win in the swamp. If Florida were to lose at Missouri. 5-6, that's what I said, didn't I? Oh, I thought you said five and seven. I was like, wait, no, wait, no, wait. no, 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 five no, no. I'm not just already <laughs> giving them that loss. No, yeah, by yeah. no means. I would have thought of coming into the year. I mean, it, if you told me Florida State was five and six at the start of the year, like at the start of the year, if you told me they were five and six and needed a win in Gainesville, I wouldn't have felt great about their chances. I'm not no, saying not I feel great, but it, it feels in the neighborhood of a coin toss. I, I actually, I, I picked them five and seven at the beginning of the year. Obviously, the path they've taken to five and seven is yeah. way off. From, you, you you had the Jacksonville State loss, right? No, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For had, sure. had them beaten Miami, had them beaten yeah. North Carolina, had them lose well, close I mean, to Clemson. Yeah, I would have had them beating Miami way before, way before <laughs> losing the Jacksonville State. That's for sure. Yeah, but, I mean, it's, 
I mean, I thought they, they needed, at the beginning of the year, I thought they needed, you, you remember, I said they needed to go 4-1 and one to have a yeah. shot at it just because of the brutal finish. And they, I thought they couldn't sneak in a win in one of these five, and, you know, now they now they have. Now they got it. But at the same time, you know, they, I thought I thought maybe this could be a scenario of five and six going to Gainesville, but the road up to it, much different, of course. Yeah, it's a, I mean... <laughs> If they manage to, and it won't be easy, I think ESPN's S&P Plus gives them about a, uh, I think SP Plus gives them about 10% chance to get six wins. I think that might be a bit low. I think I think their chances of winning two games that are in the neighborhood of toss-ups. Gator dysfunction makes me think that that's too low. Well, and we'll see what happens this weekend. Obviously, it's a moot point. They don't beat Boston College. But I would be all the way here for, I can't imagine it's ever happened. Five, uh, five and six Florida State, and five and six Florida. If Florida goes and loses at Mizzou this weekend, oh my! I mean, I, I didn't even think of, you're, you're putting it like bowl on the line for both sides. I didn't even go there. Yeah, I can't like imagine right. that's ever happened. And I no. mean, it, 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 as much as you would have, I would have been shocked if you told me Florida State's path to five and six. If that's what they are going to that game, I'd be even more shocked if you told me Florida was five and six. I thought there would be some fall off, but I mean. The the Dan Mullen, and we'll talk about it next week, I'm sure. The Dan Mullen, I can't really think of it any other way than free fall off a cliff has been something to behold. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't even know where to start, but the you, 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 on top of the, let's go with the latest chapter, which is you fire your DC and then do that against Sanford. And then you're celebrating it like... Uh, I mean, what? I don't know. Whatever. I don't know. I don't even know. I don't even know what that was. Yeah, I, I imagine that was Dan Mullen thinking that that may have been what his uh, what his team needed after that game and after the few uh, the, I guess. The, the few weeks they had had. But yeah, a video getting out is is a pretty bad look. If you're gonna do that, I would make sure like no one is recording that. That doesn't see the the light of day. Because, yeah, talk about bad optics. I mean, if you're going to cut Sam a cake and then dance about it, you better not make sure that the reporters don't find out about it outside the locker room. You ain't lying. <laughs> let's, uh, let's, let's turn our attention. We got some other, I mean, it's a, it is quite the time in, in Florida State sports right now. I mean, obviously, soccer, I, it's what? One game in terms of the path to the College Cup, the Final Four. That was a great transition to go from that analogy to, to soccer, by the way. Perfect hey, timing. what can I say? <laughs> One down, three to go on kind of the path to the College Cup, all of which goes through Tallahassee. If yep. they survive this week, I mean, obviously, you, think, you, you don't want to say anything. Miracles happen in sports. It felt like they were going to, and they did, kind of handily handle their first opponent, South Alabama. Handily handle, I like that. I mean, yeah, it's, it's probably not the best... Uh, I'm a better writer than speaker, apparently. <laughs> no, but, but it, it, I mean, it's accurate. That's exactly what they did. But th- this weekend, they, they have two on the docket. Where I guess we'll know this weekend if the season continues, they'll be three quarters of the way to the College Cup. They'll be all the way through the uh, Elite Eight by the time Sunday ends. Yep. And, well, and, and it's it makes you appreciate the fact that they do go out there and they do take care of business and they don't let a team even have a sliver of hope because you know if you've been following the the ncaa soccer tournament so far there's been a ton of upsets 
Yep. And, and a lot of teams, I mean, North Carolina out in the first round. UCLA. Opener. Yeah, UCLA, a two seed, I think, was out in the, in the first round. Another Iowa, no, not a two seed. I think they had to be a one seed. They were ranked third in the country out in the first round, too. They were I mean, a two, it looks like. They were the two, and Duke's, Duke was the one in their bracket. Well, maybe I was thinking of the rankings then. Okay, I know they were. I know they were ranked in the top five. Auburn was a four seed, yeah. one of the top sixteen. Lost two nothing at home to Samford. Auburn, who FSU beat only two to one on the road this year. That was, yep. a, that was when they were ranked number ten at that point. Uh, the Tigers, I mean. So yeah, so a lot of quality teams that you're thinking, yeah, first round, whatever. They they should get past this. No, season's over. And you know, South Alabama went in there on. Friday night, and and they did it for for twenty minutes. They yeah, they put up a fight. They 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 put basically a wall back there, and and chances and chances that were you know. But eventually, FSU did what they always do. They wear you down, and once they get a goal, they didn't they didn't destroy them. They didn't get win by seven or anything crazy. But you know, they they capitalized on a few chances there and did what they needed to do. You know, against a team that, that had already seen them once this year and had a chance to kind of, you know, study them up and try to come up with a different game. Yeah, and, and you're I mean, you talked about the score. That's not normally Mark Corian's MO. I thought there were a couple 7 nothing, 6 nothing scores in, in, in kind of those opening round games. That's really never been Mark Corian's MO. I think it's, it, it is a – there's definitely for him a sense of a – I have shown my team is better. I don't need to humiliate you that right. all coaches may not subscribe to. Yeah. I mean, sometimes they do win five, maybe six, because his backups will capitalize and score because it just naturally if – it, if, it, if it naturally in the flow of the game happens. But, yeah, he's not going to keep an attacking posture when he's up 5 nothing with 20 minutes left. That's not – I have not seen that at all this year. I mean, you've covered him for years, but even this season, I have not seen him do anything of the sort. But – yeah, I mean, the, the, now the difficulty level is going to amp up a little bit in this uh, this coming weekend because now they get an SMU team that you know I got I actually watched the match for a little bit and you know they look like they have some offensive weapons there some 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 players that up front can you know can create some pretty good opportunities. They beat Texas two to nothing. They're ranked twenty first in the country, so it's not it's not a pushover. They're going to come in here and and you know and they're it's going to be a challenge, and then of course the if they you know if they get past that the forty eight less than forty eight hour window to turn around and then face potentially either either an ACC team and NC State that they didn't face this year, or Pepperdine who was another one of these West Coast powerhouse teams I think they were ranked in the top ten for part of the season, you know and a four seed in the region so now's when it starts to get a little more you know a little more serious here for. You know, for coach's team here to try and you know get, take care of business and and, and keep the march onto the college cup, but I think that's where the depth, that's where the experience is going to come through, and you know you'll, you'll see you'll see that kind of rise to the top here in, in the you know in these next couple of matches. Yeah, I tend to agree. I mean, I covered his teams for the 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 last three years really, and and yeah, I mean it's a uh, it's a well oiled machine that is definitely built for. This time of year, I mean, I, I think I think last season when you look at how well they did in a pandemic year, it's really a credit to how he runs. I mean, he knows what his players want to accomplish in their in their post college lives that they want to go on to professional careers. I'm sure all of them, and definitely runs his organization as such. And I think that helps this time of year. I mean, especially I mean, like you said, 
with that quick turnaround. That is just, I mean, that, that can be tough on your legs. That can be tough on so much, but supposing they win the first one, their depth, too, I mean, is a huge advantage in that second game of a weekend like that. And the Bears mentioning the College Cup would be the same way. College Cup would be uh, Friday if they made it for the Final Four, and then if they won that, Sunday for the championship game. Yep, that's exactly how it is. And that's the thing, like, you, you mentioned the depth, and that's on point because I think this isn't a team that just rotates its bench in when they're up big. I mean, he will play them. He will play backups when it's 0-0, when it's still – you know, when it's still a game. And him doing that throughout the year preps those players for right now because no doubt you may see certain rotations of his lineup, you know, maybe 30, 40 minutes into the match where, you know, it could be a tie game. It could be a one-goal game. You'll see that this weekend, maybe on Friday, because he knows I can't burn all my players playing maybe 70 minutes or whatever because we have we have to turn around and play one on Sunday, and and, and it, it's just twofold like the, the 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 stamina and then the experience too, and that and then that's going to pay off. You know that that all I mean it has paid off and it will again if they get to where they want to get to. And 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 yeah, I mean he it also helps like you said the long term vision of beyond FSU and, and and for his players it shows because a lot of these players. You know, we saw it at the end of the season. Three of them had to go away and go play for their international teams. Now they know how to handle that, to balance things like that, and then come back and look how quickly those three have come right back into the fold and really haven't missed a beat. And now this team is back on a winning streak again. Yeah, which I don't think – I think few are surprised by. I mean, in no doubt, they're, they're very important players. Just like, I mean, the absence of Malia Berkeley last year in the College Cup was, uh, was huge for them. I, I think – they would probably win the title last year if they have Malia Berkeley, who was, I mean, a Mac Herman Trophy finalist, along with uh, Jalen Howe. It, you will see. We'll, we'll definitely touch on them next week. I mean, whether it's a an unlikely uh, kind of referendum on the season if they were if they did lose in one of their two this weekend, or if it's if it's them being one game from the College Cup again, and and who they have there, and obviously uh, what it takes. We uh we should also before we before we get out of here we should definitely touch on uh both basketball teams uh d- differing results over the weekend on Sunday shall we say uh the Florida State women's team against uh it, continuing inferior competition doing what they're supposed to do another very comfortable win the the men uh suffered their first uh, losing streak to uh Florida in or the first loss to Florida sorry in in quite a while yeah well I mean. You start with start with the men or start with the women. Uh, so walk me through walk me through the men because so I I had stuff going on Sunday. I was not watching the game. I see yeah. though what there was a a two point lead with about eight or nine minutes left. And they ended up losing by fifteen. Yeah, they basically. I mean, talking to Coach Ham today, and he just wasn't happy with the execution down the stretch. And part of that, this team is still. We we know what this team lost. But we also know what this team has back. But we're seeing a little bit still of the early adjustment period to make up for the players that are gone and kind of fitting the pieces in the right places, that sort of thing. And I think it showed a little bit in the second half. He he felt like the Gators, they didn't respond to that atmosphere they were in against a good Gators team. Against a Gators team that I think might be a little better than even than last year because of the way that they played defensively 
the way that they rebounded. They out-rebounded FSU by, I want to say, about 11 or 12 on the boards, which doesn't tend to happen. They forced 17 turn. They, they had seven. FSU ended up with 17 turnovers. The biggest thing was down that stretch, they outscored FSU by 18. So basically, they closed out the game on a high note, and on the def- it was on the defensive end. FSU shot 9 for 27 in the second half. It was even worse during those last eight minutes or so. Really, other than Malik Osborne, who continued to play well, he had 18 points and shot pretty well. I think it was 6 of 10 from the field. Other than that, a lot of their main guys did not play well. They struggled on the offensive end. And, and it was one of those games where I think you still kind of see that this is still – it's nothing to be alarmed long-term, I think, but you, it's still a work in progress right now. And they need games like the one they're going to have – the ones they're going to have this week, you know, the game against Tulane – a Tulane team that Coach Ham studied up and says that it runs a pretty good zone defense. That's a challenge that they're going to see on Wednesday. Then on the weekend, to go out there to Jacksonville and have those two games potentially against a pretty good Missouri team on the flip side on the second game of that of that event up in Jacksonville. They need these games to kind of iron things out and kind of get these guys some experience. And, and remember, you still have some transfer pieces that are acclimating kind of settling into a game setting. So a lot of those things, a lot of those factors manifested themselves against the UF, especially in the, in, in the latter part of that second half. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, what's interesting is when you look at a lot of these games, there have been a couple that have come down to the wire, but so many of these these Florida State-Florida games on, on those seven-game winning streak that it was no more, that is no more, were uh, games that didn't come down to the stretch, games that Florida State kind of had in hand and, and, Florida may have cut it to single digits a couple times, but never really, like, it wasn't, it, they didn't need to close strong, or as close especially strong, because they had kind of built up that advantage. And uh, it, it's probably not surprising, like you said, with all the new pieces, that, that there's some growing to uh, be done there, some meshing to be done there. For, uh, for as impressive as that first game was, I, I think it was right of people to kind of say, the this isn't going to be it every game. There's going to be some some ups and downs. It was not realistic to expect them to uh, play at the level they did in that game every game, and they've got to kind of find their identity. They've got to find that cohesiveness. I expect this to be a much better team by February. I think this, more than even a lot of Florida State teams, where, I mean, obviously it's the case across, across college basketball, I do think this team is going to grow a lot over the course of the season just because of how many guys they're having to introduce. Yeah, and I, I no doubt. I mean, I think by the time they hit ACC play, like really hit ACC play, even in January, I think you'll see a little more of an indicator. Of, uh, but but it's good that they have, even if they do have some struggles early on, it's going to be a good experience for them. I think the game, I'm looking at that ACC Big Ten challenge game, and I watched some of Purdue the other day on TV, and, and that's, that's, that's what you want because it is going to be tough. Maybe they'll lose but you want to experience that early. That that gym, that Mackey Arena gets loud. Zach Eady in the middle there looks a lot better than he was as a freshman last year, the big 7-4 center. You know, the, the, the guard, Jaden Ivey, is really good. That's the kind of team you want to play early on and just kind of see see what you're up against, see see how far you need to go to, to really be. Because Purdue, a top-10 team, that's a bona fide high-seed potential team this year in the tournament. So if you want to... If you want to take that next step this year, that that's the kind of opposition you have to measure up against. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, uh, it bears mentioning 
with all around that game, and obviously Florida State fans, I'm sure, devastated or disappointed to uh, not devastated, I doubt, to to see that that winning streak come to an end. Seven in a row against Florida. I mean, hadn't been done by Florida State. I think it was more than twice as long as Florida State's next longest winning streak over Florida. That being said, uh, a moment you love to see after last year was Florida's Keontae Johnson, who collapsed in last year's game, who I know there, there was real concern from people who they're covering that game. I was not there last year. It was on a football game day of, did we just watch a player die on the court? He didn't. He hasn't yet been cleared to play basketball, but he was there, and I know they gave him the game ball after winning. And a, it, pulling any, any, any loyalties out of it, I mean, that's a, that's a moment you love to see. No, no, no. You, you, that that goes beyond yep. sports and rivalries and everything like that. No, 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 no doubt. That, I I watched that game last year before I, you know, before I got on this beat, and it was one of like the freelance jobs I was taking before I got the job at the Democrat. And I remember how scary that was because you know he he wasn't moving, and he, that you do fear that you do because that has happened in the past, you know, and. And then you hear the just the aftermath too. Like for those couple of weeks, you kept hearing stories coming out of Gainesville, and how scary it was, and they didn't know. They're trying to identify the problem, and you know, forget about maybe, maybe he never plays again. But just is the kid going to be okay, kind yeah. of thing. And 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 we're at the height of the pandemic still. You know, so so yeah, so it was great to see him back i mean it's great even even last season when he was at games again and that sort of thing so you feel good for for Keontae to get back and to get his life going again and whether it, it sounds like he's going to make a try to to play professionally somehow i think I, I read something or 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 he may just try to get you know something you know to get I don't know if he's ever going to be able to play again, so, but it doesn't sound like he ever will I, for I the think he, again. He he has to choose between either trying to get professionally cleared, like cleared yeah. to play professionally, or, or he has the option policy. he has the option to take a five million dollar insurance policy. Right, that's what I that that's what it was. Which so. is it's easy for me to sit here and say take the money. I don't have that competitive drive that I know it encompasses so much of every one of like an athlete who plays at that level. I can't imagine yeah. how hard it is because by taking that money, I'm pretty sure you're saying like I won't play basketball. It is like a like yeah. I am done playing basketball insurance buyout. Yeah, it's a life-altering decision one way or the other. But you feel good that you know he ha- he's going to have two good options because one way he's either going to be able to continue pursuing his dream in basketball or he's going to be in good shape for you know any other life pursuits. You know, so again. Uh, from where it was a year ago, it's great to see for him. Yeah. No, I, I, we can look at the women, too. We will, uh, I would say, probably learn more about the women's basketball team next week. That's when the, I think the first ranked team may be on the schedule, depending on how that uh, Thanksgiving yeah. week tournament goes. It could be West Virginia on the uh, flip side of that St. Pete Classic on, on, on the Saturday. It'll, be, it'll either be West Virginia or Purdue. I believe West Virginia is still ranked. I will... We'll check here while we talk about it, and they have a B, they have BYU on Thanksgiving night, actually. Which uh, interesting, they're going to be playing on Thanksgiving night out there in in St. Pete. But uh, but yeah, with a a comfortable victory. But you know, looking beyond just the win itself, you know, another dominant performance from their bigs. But that's nothing new. We we know that that's going to be a strength of the team. But I think Morgan Jones. I mean, I covered the exhibition game in the opener, and she 
she had struggled a little bit shooting. She hadn't really found her groove yet offensively, and I think this game was good for her because this game you could see on the offensive end, she looked like herself again. You know, I think she had she led the team, I want to say, with 13 points, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know if it was 13 or 19. Sorry, my memory is failing right now. But I know she had the game high, and her offensively she was shooting a lot better. And that was one thing. It's early, but you were wondering where the offense was going to come from, from the perimeter. And I think that's something that they're still working on. I think right now, Sue Semrau is kind of looking at different facets of her team and what she needs to improve the most. I think the biggest thing she's stressing is the pressure defense and on both sides, them applying it and them knowing how to handle it because that's something that they're going to see down the road in the ACC. And I think she's seen some strides, even if it is, you know, it's obviously not the teams yet of the caliber that they will face, but you're, this is where you work that out and you're starting to see some development in those areas. Yeah, it, it's uh, they've definitely benefited from the the schedule they have to start with uh, uh, just a, a nice way to ease ease things in. I mean, they they the the men could probably have benefited from something similar, but obviously they have Florida this year, and the Florida men's team is more of a challenge than the uh, the Florida women's team. I know Florida the Florida men are now ranked after uh, after their win Sunday. Be interesting to see. I mean, I think the the Florida State men. I know the coaches poll did an update this week. The AP poll did did, and they they fell out of the top twenty five. Wouldn't surprise me at all if they're back within it back in within the next few weeks. We'll see. Obviously, they might need to beat Purdue to uh to stay ranked. But but rankings this this part of year this time of year when there's so many unknowns, I would really say don't especially matter. Yeah. 22 West Virginia, by the way, ranked number 22. So FSU right now, the women ranked number 17. So if that stays on course, that should be a nice early season barometer game for both sides to kind of see where they're at. You know, two ranked teams facing each other, and you know, so we'll we'll see. It'll be a good a good test for them if that ends up being the matchup in the in on um, on the second day of the tournament. No, it should. I I mean, it's a. It, on top of everything we mentioned, of which there's there's a lot going on this week, Florida State also uh, hosting the cross country, the NCAA cross country championships. Uh, yeah, this could weekend. Have an individual state, could have an individual state champ. I'm so used to cross country at the high school level. Well, and they just had that I think last weekend. And they had that last weekend. But you know, years of covering that back in the day. So, but yeah, you could have an individual national champion in uh, Adrian Adrian Wildscoot for. Uh, you know, for FSU, he's the the transfer from Coastal Carolina came in last year, and he's torn it up this year. He's won every race leading up to it, um, pretty much that he's raced in this year. And and you know, I think he's gonna he's gonna make a big push to, to all the contenders there, I and mean, we may see something special. I have to look up, you know, if and when they've had an individual national champion. When's the last time? I have to I admit I have to do some of that homework before Saturday, but you know. I th- Think, Bob, the coach I, Bob Bremen, who's been there forever, you know, for coaching the program. He, 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 they had the press conference today, and he was very, you know, very, very happy of the fact that Tallahassee was able to host an NCAA championship. It's been 25 years since they hosted tennis in 1996. So, yeah, I think Adrian, if he won, would be the first. I want to say he may even set the record, set a new record last year at NCAA championship, but he didn't win. Yeah. But I think, did he finish second last year? I think he did, yeah. I think that's what it, yeah, he's still looking for the first championship. I know that. So it will be interesting to see. I mean, obviously the uh, home track advantage, if you will, is definitely a thing. I mean, 
more than probably a lot of other sports where, I mean, every football field has the same dimensions. Every basketball court has the same dimensions. Baseball is not, no, but it, it feels like the home field, the home track advantage, maybe a little more in cross country where you, you're so familiar. It's a, it's an area that you run a lot. Oh yeah. I mean, the home course advantage is huge. And that's what, and that from the beginning, from day one is something that they were excited about. The fact that they only had to really run on three courses the whole year and to have that, because you know, as a runner, you know how it plays, you know, every little section of the course, you know, you know, when, you know, when to kind of kick it, when, when to kind of slow down a bit, when the, you know, uphill, downhills, you name it. Like, you know, you know, your roadmap basically. And that's a big advantage over runners that, you know, a lot of them probably haven't run on that course before and are, or if they have, they might do like their, their practice run before will probably be the first time they've ever seen it. So having that experience, you know, maybe even some of the unpredictabilities of it. And that's a huge advantage. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm definitely proud of the fact that, I mean, all those things we mentioned today, we, we will cover this week. I'm going up to Boston and uh, you're staying behind. You got plenty of basketball. You got soccer. You got cross country. You're going to be at all, all of them, really uh, diversifying that portfolio this week. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm staying behind, but they left a pretty big, low, pretty big uh, plate to, to to get through here. Of uh, you know, a whole lot of stuff, but it's going to be fun. I like that. It keeps it keeps it interesting. You know, jumping from from the court to the soccer field to the cross country course. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 again, it, it takes me. On a, on a bigger level, obviously, but it takes me back to when I, when I was doing the, the high schools back in Miami, where you had to really get familiar with a lot of different sports, and you become a well, more well-rounded reporter, you know, because of it. No doubt, we uh, we appreciate those who who have listened, who have uh, made it all the way through to uh, to us, kind of covering it all. We uh, we appreciate though if you're a subscriber to the Tallahassee Democrat, either print or digital, we we appreciate you even more that. Uh, means a lot. We're going to have plenty of great coverage of all that stuff we mentioned this week. I encourage you to uh, follow us on, uh, on, on social media. Follow The Democrat. Subscribe. If you give us a review for the podcast, we, uh, we greatly appreciate that as, uh, as well. We, we appreciate you for listening. We will uh, talk to you next time.